Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the pioneers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Ben Towers, co-founder of Tahora, the workplace connectivity platform promoting mental well-being. Aged 11, Ben was building websites for family and friends, and two years later, he turned his hobby into a business. Yes, that's right, at 13 years old. Towers Design, initially working as a sole trader from his bedroom, but growing the company into a full-service marketing agency with a team of 26 freelancers, delivered large-scale youth engagement campaigns with brands including Pot Noodle, Mazers and Amazon. After exiting Towers Design, agreeing a multi-million pound merger when he was just 18, Ben moved into angel investing, whilst also working for the UK government and royal family on entrepreneurship programmes. But it was the poor mental health of some friends and family, while also noticing the lack of community in many workplaces, that gave Ben a new idea. Tahora, launched in 2020 with his co-founder Mike Rose, aims to bring together like-minded colleagues and communities to create a culture of well-being and belonging. Ben Towers is my business shaper today, the man who started making money and setting up businesses aged 11 months by the sounds of it. I mean, it seems like you were doing it just out of the womb. It's nice to meet you, by the way. Good to meet you too. Yeah, I, I just love technology and love like just tinkering around and having fun. And I think that's what started the business, is just wanting to, wanting to have a go. But I mean, 11 years old, going back to it wasn't 11 months, was it, Ben? No. That, would have, that would have been difficult. Loads of kids, you know, I've, I've got kids, they do something and they want to sell a bit of lemonade or, and they go down the local common and they do that or they get some stuff out of the bedroom and they sell it and all that. And it's kind of a fad and they think that was fun and exciting. And then they carry on with life. You didn't. This became the thing. How did you feel aged 11? What did it make you feel like that you said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do? versus I'm a kid doing the thing that most kids try. As soon as I was 11, I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. It actually just came about, I said, just loving technology. I was that kid at school who took apart the printer um, and got excluded for it because I just had these ping and pieces across the table. For me, it was always fascinating to know how the technology work. Why? I don't necessarily know because neither of my parents necessarily in technology to start that. But I just always wanted to learn about it. And then it was actually when I was sort of year five, year six in my primary school. And I just sort of thought how does the school website work? I remember chatting to the IT teacher and just sort of saying to her, I just, I want to learn how that works and how it um, functions. And then just over time, basically on YouTube, just learn how to build websites. So it was a much more of like a curiosity thing at that point. And then the way it became a company was when one of my mum's best friends is an author and she just said, look, do you mind building me a website? And you know, for her perspective, it meant she could get a, a cheap site and give her, her friend's son an opportunity to have a go. For me, I was like, oh, I'd love to just give this a go. And it literally was me sitting in my bedroom on YouTube watching how to build a contact form and then I would then just follow it along step by step and then do it. And that, I'd say, then formed the foundation of my knowledge. And as you know, people would ask more questions, I'd then Google how to do that or how to do this and eventually got to the point where I was able to build you know, large-scale sites for clients. And that was the point in which I'd say I realised this could be a company. But I'd say for me at that age... The word company or business is all you know about is what you see on TV. You know, what you see like, and it's a very warped realization of what actually business is. So that also made me think I'm not an entrepreneur. I haven't got a massive office with a reception and a fax machine and a big desk and all that sort of thing. I didn't have any of that. And 
actually was a realization that you can just start a company in your bedroom. Like a good example, going back to the YouTube example, is like YouTubers just from their bedroom making content and they're running a business. You know, they're they're being paid for that. And I think I just didn't realize that that could be a thing for me, just making money in my bedroom. And once I realized that, I could then start the company. I then had the whole hassle of like registering as self-employed and the legalities of it, which my mum was sort of quite over top on to make sure that I was safe. But yeah, it was basically just went on from there. But the legality is funny, as a, a quick aside, you had to become an apprentice in your own business to formally tick the box of you were in education of some sort, but you're also an employee of your company. Yeah, so there's, there's a few sort of legalities that I had to face along the way. One of them is just the sheer corporation of a company. So you can be a shareholder from memory, I think it's about from literally the day you're born, like you can be from any age. Director, I'm pretty sure it's at 16, and then a business bank account, you have to be 18. So then there's like all these like conflicts in ages and so on. So for me, I was then like, okay, how do I structure this and work? So I had to work with like my accountant and the lawyers to then say, okay, how do we bring this together? And long story short, I said, stay as a self-employed, you're a minor, so you actually have a protection being a minor in that sense. So I carried on like that. And then when I hit 16, I was, did my GCSE exams. At this point, I was doing some quite big website projects and freelancers working for me. I was outsourcing that because I was like, I haven't got enough hours in a day to do it all myself. And then I was in like, I need to go full-time in this company. I need to be able to grow this. It was my passion. I was loving it. But then legally, you have to be in education until you're 18. And so I wanted to just leave school at 16, after my GCSEs, and then just get going. My mum was obviously saying, no, 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 you're sticking to the law. You are, obviously, you're, you're staying in education. I went to my school, tried to negotiate, like, reduced A-levels. So I said, look, I'll do one or two instead of, like, the, the four that they make you do. And then even then, I thought, actually, that's not quite going to give me the freedom that I want. So I went to a few colleges and I managed to find a college that would let me do an apprenticeship in my own company. So technically I was in education, I was an apprentice, but I was also in the company because the whole point of an apprenticeship is you're working in the company and that was my company. <laughs> it's like you just, What I love already, Ben, is that you just basically said, I'm going to make this up, we're going to get around the system and I am going to run a business. Just getting to the, you work your way around the system when you're 16, you're an apprentice, you're in, a, you're in an educational institution, you've done all that clever stuff demonstrating your amazing entrepreneurial skills, Ben, of solving problems. And then you build this business. Then it gets a bit more serious than your mum's friend doing a, a website. You start to really develop some traction. And then it leads to this multi-million pound merger. You're 18 years old at the time. Are you kind of going, because you said to me, well, you know, it's not like it is in the movies, but that's quite filmic. You're a young man merging your business. How did that feel? I think throughout the process, it was amazing. I was like, wow, isn't this so cool? Every day was something new, you know, meeting even the lawyers and the accountants talking about that sort of topic was completely new for me and like, my close family. So that was more like, wow, this is fun. Where I think it hit me more was my last day when I knew that tomorrow I'm not coming back to this office. Six months after doing that merger when I left, I was then like, wow, okay, what do I do tomorrow? This is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I think from starting a company, even when I was 11 or even just to some point doing the websites at that point, my whole, in a sense, childhood that you can remember where you're doing things by yourself, I had this company or doing websites or doing the marketing campaigns. So to then at 18 be like, and that's now stopped. It's the end of a massive chapter. Mm. And so I remember walking out being like, okay, so I haven't got my, my pass to get back in the office. I haven't got my work laptop. All these little things that you just overthink that for me were quite big things because that was my childhood. So that for me was a moment of like, 
okay, this decision was quite a big decision, much bigger than I thought it was at the time, sort of riding the waves and enjoying it. Did it you take like... it, just a quick thing on mm. that, did you take the decision on your own? I mean, again, you know, if I was doing that and I was a 35-year-old or whatever, I'd be like, I'd ask friends, I'd ask my advisors. You're 18, is the principle exactly the same? Yes, I've always had people around me, you could call them mentors on reflection. In reality, I didn't call them that at the time, they were just people who I just met over the years who... Mm. I loved. I mean, a great example of someone who she's been there for me and still there right now. Someone called Alison. She's a um, a sales expert. Been doing it for years. Now she got an MBE and so on. And I met her when I was about fourteen years old at these entrepreneur awards. And I was in like a suit too big for me, unable to drink at this sort of after awards networking. She came over and just said, "You're the same age as my son. What do you do?" And that just bonded over that. And now she's almost like my business mum. I'll go to her with problems. I'll sort of vent and tell you about things that are annoying me and she'll give perspective on that. Now, I never saw her as like a, a mentor in that sense, but when it came to these big decisions, she was like someone, I'll call her up and just get her view on it. And just having those people around you, I think was so important for me. Another good example of someone was, he used to be a finance director at Apple. Met him literally on LinkedIn, turned out he retired and moved close to me where I was living in Kent. I just reached out to him and said, look, can we just have a coffee? I had a coffee of him and then we started to meet up more regularly and he would just walk me through financials, you know, how to read them, what to look for because you're not taught about school. You're not the sort of thing you'd necessarily learn on like Google or YouTube any either. So it's something that I had to have somebody just to almost hold my hand and go, that number means this, that's good or bad. Think about how you can look at it in this way. Wow. I mean, talk about uh, an old head on young shoulders. It's my business shape. That's Ben Towers. He's telling us about all the things we should be doing, whatever age you're at, in terms of uh, making sure you get good advice and get good mentors around you. Lots more coming up from Ben later here on Jazz Shapers. Right now, though, we're going to hear a clip from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Derez, Victoria Piggott, talks about ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social and Governance, and what the resulting long-term benefit is for businesses putting purpose before profit. Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. People have always made choices based on their beliefs. And so socially responsible investing is, is not new. But ESG is relatively new. The phrase was first coined in 2005. And socially responsible investing and ESG are actually different. So ESG is based on an assumption that ESG factors have financial relevance. It was the former UN Secretary Kofi Annan who really started the movement in 2005. And he wrote to 50 chief execs of major financial institutions because he wanted to integrate ESG into the capital markets. He was saying it's good business sense, it's more sustainable and it's better for society. So obviously it's been going on for 15 years. And there are some people who say, well, you know, maybe this is a fad. But I don't think that's right either. Because if you look at the way in which technology has enabled everything to be more transparent, the data is available. And you have to look at people's access to tech, which empowers them to express their own values in investing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to compromise on returns. A really obvious example here is climate change and how scientific certainty has forced directors towards good stewardship because the impact that businesses can have on the environment is now incredibly clear. 
the Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can do that in all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, just ask it to play Jazz Shapers and you should be rewarded with a taster of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, it's Ben Towers, co-founder of Tahora, the workplace app aimed at creating happier, more connected employees. I really should ask you about Tahora. Tahora, as I understand it, is a Maori word, which means together, the Tahi bit. Yeah, Tahi. Tahi, and then Aura, which means good health. Yeah. Which I love. I'm, I, I feel weirdly connected to the Maori community for no good reason other than I read The Bone People by Kerry Holm back in 1985. Anyway, if you haven't read it, go and read it. It's a good book. Tell me how this came about then, Ben. Yeah, so after leaving Towers Design, I was then doing a lot of speaking events, doing work with the government, royal family, really looking at this next generation entrepreneurial skills, a lot of consultancy. Actually then started consulting at GlaxoSmithKline as a comms director there. And my whole focus on that was the internal comms when it came to you know, their mergers with Pfizer and all the sort of links to that, the people changes that were going on. And how did you get into that, just as an aside? That, I really randomly, I spoke at a conference for them, met one of the business leaders there, and she sort of said to me, look, can I have your number? I'm about to go into a new role, can't tell you what it is right now, but I'd love to connect. Maybe two months later, I got a call from her, uh, met up with her, and she was like, I'm doing this big change program, do you want to sort of help consult? And that was looking at, initially, was at the future organisation. How do you encourage innovation and you know, compete and get young talent when you've got other consumer healthcare giants who are probably more attractive to a certain extent for these younger people? Okay. So that was my role then. And then over time, as projects changed, moved into this communications role. And whilst I was doing that, that was my first like corporate job in my life in the sense of, you know, that I had tens of thousands of colleagues. I was going to this large-scale office in West London. And... I got to see this new side of the world that I'd never been experienced to until that point. It was very much a small startup or a company with a uh, one or two floor maximum office. So that, I think, I learned a lot. But whilst I was there, I also felt disconnected. I didn't feel like I knew my colleagues on a personal level. Like, So I love table tennis for me personally. I didn't feel like I know other people who also love that in the company or new people who also were interested in the same sort of topics. And that always got me thinking. Alongside all of that, I actually had my best friend and someone in my family going through some really bad mental health challenges and that really touched me and made me go you know what whatever I do next I have to find a way to address this or look at this in a fresh perspective but also knowing I'm not a doctor so I can't necessarily help in the situation that you know unfortunately they were in but what I can do is look at what I can help in and that's community and connection it's for what the World Health Organization described as one of the leading causes and amplifiers of mental health challenges. But it's also something that I was seeing in the corporate world as being just not there. People go to their job, they do the nine to five, they leave, and they don't really feel like they're a part of something great or feel like they really know their colleagues on a personal level. So that then, how we started to haul up. And just before we go into that, and we're going to get into it a bit more, how many people did you have at Towers Design before you you merged? Uh, twenty six. Twenty six people. Okay. And how many have you got now in the Tahora in the Tahora business? We've got eleven full time at the moment, and then if you have a sort of supporting contract as well, and funded it, and funded and growing, and obviously going to yeah. going to be scaling pretty fast. What was it like being the boss? I assume most of these people were older than you. Yeah, I've only ever in the employed, first business. I was gonna yeah, say. The first company. I've only ever employed one person younger than me at that company. And I think there's that weird dynamic to a certain extent, and I had to always be aware of that, that 
for you know, an adult to know that their boss is in their teenage years, that's quite scary. And that's, there's a trust. You know, when you, when you work for a company, there's a this trust level that they're going to pay my wages, they're going to treat me well, they're going to look after me. Mm. And I think naturally there's that fear of... He's, ju- he's just a kid. Yeah, exactly. Does he know what he's doing? Can he do yeah. that? Will I even get my holiday or will I even get my salary end of the month? Yeah. And so I had to just prove people wrong over time and really make sure that I was on top of all of that. Were you conscious of that, though, in the sense of that? Because the way you just described it is a really excellent insight into, well, obviously, if he's he or she is 25 or 30, they're going to be going, are all those things stable? And if you were conscious of it, which I think you, you obviously are, how do you address it? Is it just simply delivering? Is that all it is? I'd say it's delivering, and it's also having great people around you who can back you up in the sense of, so I had an amazing guy called Roger who used to work with and we were like club 1860. So when I was 18, he was 60. And he was then like this um, other guy who was there to support and uh, to chat with people if they had any questions. And in job interviews, he'd be the first person to do that interview, not me. So it almost became that first point of going, look, if you work for Towers Design, just be clear that you're not working for like a typical company. There is this strange dynamic. But it's also exciting because... It meant for me when I'm looking at like a marketing campaign, I go, but why do we have to do it like that? I know we always do it like that, but do we have to? If a client wants this, then let's do that. And so I think that was also the exciting part and the positive that people enjoyed, and that's why they maybe attracted to the company. But he was also there as the sort of counter side of it, sometimes say to me, look, Ben, I think you, you mucked up there, or you should have done this, or just be careful about that. Mm. And to have someone in your corner just who's got the experience just to keep an eye on things was I'd, I'd say was definitely needed but, but you, you've just I've just had a flashback to watching Tom Hanks in Big where suddenly this kid is given the to, you know literally the keys to the toy company and there I am thinking actually Ben all you were doing was being yourself which is well hold on a minute I've got nothing encumbering me stopping me thinking about the world differently because I'm just thinking about the world through my own eyes which mm. is I'm 17 I'm 16 whatever it is and why would you do it like that that doesn't make any sense to me so actually, you were just being yourself. Yeah. And I'd say there was like minimal baggage. For me, I could take risks as well because I was living at home. So it wasn't like I had <laughs> a family, had a you know, mortgage or anything like that that were my expenditure. So I could you know, try things out and see if they work and not worry as much around implications for myself. So I think that also allowed me a lot more freedom and gave me a lot more chance to give things a go. When we started to employ, then it started to get a bit harder because then you're like, actually, you know what? It's not just myself I'm impacting here. But still, to a certain extent, I could look at things and just say, why? That just doesn't make sense to me. Stay with me for my final chat with Ben Towers. The message is absolutely loud and clear. Have a mindset that says, take away the worries, because actually to not take a risk is a risk in itself. Final chat coming up with him, as I said. Plus some great music from Snarky Puppy. That's all come up in just a moment here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business but it's personal. Ben Towers is my business shaper and he's been talking about being unencumbered by knowing stuff because in a way when you're 17 you only know what you know and it isn't as much as a 50-year-old and that's a good thing because it is important to be fresh and, and do stuff. Tahora, this this business you set up, you're funded, mm. you've, you've got angels um, that, are, that have invested in this platform, the insight being be connected to your community, you're going to, you know, addresses the issue around feeling lonely, it addresses the issue around feeling like you belong Belonging for you, Ben, in this strange place that you're in. You're a co-founder of your second, well, second business, but you set up your first one. You're young. You're recognised on the circuit as a speaker. Government like you. The royal family want to ask you. Jess K did stuff with you. Um, 
how do you keep your feet on the ground and how do you focus on the task at hand with Tahora? For keeping my feet on the ground, I'd say it's about having friends who, to be blunt, don't care about business. And it just means I can go and see them. We can go for a dinner or just go and do something, go on a holiday, whatever it is, and never have to think about business, but just think about life. I think that's so important to have that separation. And then you know, for Tahora, it's about just really knuckling down to the mission they want about belonging. It's that realisation that, you know what, there are hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, in the UK alone who are going to work and just feel like they're a number, don't feel like they actually truly know their colleagues. And that, for me, makes me realise, you know what, we can get lost in the, you know, the fundraising numbers or the success of the clients they're working with, but in reality, one more person who feels that they know their colleagues and can go on a, a rock climbing adventure with five of their colleagues or go and into the office on... Tuesday and suddenly see who else is in and connect at lunch or after work for drinks. That for me almost keeps everything focused to go, that's the important part. You said something earlier about your childhood. In reality, your childhood has been a, a working childhood. Mm. It's like I I was lucky enough in a different place to interview Jodie Foster, famous actress, and she was a child prodigy from the age of four or five. Her whole childhood was work. I think she didn't resent that, but she definitely felt it. Do you think you've missed out on anything or do you do you have the opposite feeling about your whole growing up period? I'd say I've missed out on like the lazy days about like the things like finishing school and just going to the cinema and not doing much and so on. But at the same time, I think I'm at a stage now where I've been taught just from doing it myself just to work and work hard. And so I think my capacity for workload and delivering things is probably much higher because I've just from a young age just been doing that and been used to it. So I think that's a, a positive after leaving Towers Design, I then had to have this realisation, you know what, Ben, you have to have holidays, you have to actually spend time for yourself. So I went travelling for a little bit, I went to like Thailand and India and did some time just over there, no work laptop, which was like the first time from like this really young age where I did that. And then I think following that, I'm still trying to keep those principles of going, you need to have some time for yourself. But I also realised that I almost see it as like a training programme. I was, you know, for those like nine, ten years, I was just able to really focus on growing something. And and the other thing you said about, you know, I have no, I'm oh, 17, I just had ideas, why don't we just try it like that? In a way that, we, you know, we talk um, in business often about remaining the child and being childlike in terms of having ideas and being fresh. How are you doing that as a person who's done so much already? You know, how can you retain the best of being a young person without being encumbered by all the serious responsibility now you've got of fundraising and all the other things that you've said? Because I, I want you to remain the kid. Mm. I mean, and don't you, I imagine? Yeah, I, I actually use location as a way of segmenting that. So for me, if I want to, if it's there's a big business problem and I need to just look at a new way of tackling that, I will go and actually, like, the gym I'm at, I'll go and sit by the pool in like a seat and just bring my notebook down and just think. And that I've got, haven't got my laptop, haven't got an office environment. I'm literally, you know, by a pool. I can hear the, the water hitting. I'm just sitting there and just thinking. And that is my place to then look at a problem and address it in a new way because I've got no distraction, no looking at employees thinking as the problem or can we solve that or can we do this? When I'm in the office, maybe struggle a bit more because then you've got the, the reality of the situation. You've got you know, your investors, you've got things going on, you've got a company when you've got clients calling. So almost removing myself with a clear task of going, I'm going to go downstairs to achieve this goal and then come back. That's how I maintain that. Well, you have super duper levels of clarity, Ben Towers. It's been really good talking to you. Thank you. Continue to do well. I'm sure you will. 
just before I let you disappear to go solve another problem on a beach, if you're lucky, mm -hmm. um, if you can find one, uh, let me know if you do. What's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Yeah, so it's New York State of Mind by Tony Bennett. And two reasons. One is because, you know, for him personally, it's really inspiring. You know, he had Alzheimer's and still was performing. And you know, there was a lot of question, can he still perform given the state of his Alzheimer's at that time? So I think it's just, as a business leader, there's loads of things that could be going on personally, but you still have to stand out and perform. We still have to go out and you know, run the company. Employees are still expecting some sort of normality to a certain point of view. So that, I think, is was inspiring. The other thing is just the general message of the song is all around the hustle and bustle of the city. And that, for me, I think, going back to this idea of location and segmentation of that, this idea that you know when you're in a certain location, you're hustling, you're bustling, you're doing a lot of work, you're getting things done, and then you can remove yourself from that to relax. And for me, that's been such a key part of my life. You know, Moving to London from Kent really focused me to go, I'm now here to to grow something and really put my foot on an accelerator. And then when I go out of London, it's my time to go, and now it's time just to, just to you know, regenerate and just focus on me. Tony Bennett there with New York State of Mind, the song choice of my fabulous business shaper, Ben Towers. I loved his phrase, Club 18 to 60, how to convince people joining a business where you're the youngest boss they've ever met. Bring in someone who's 60. That starts the, the thing going. Life versus business. Make sure you have a space for both. The fact that Ben, at such a young age, figured that out is phenomenally impressive. And finally, that little sweet point about location segmentation. Solve problems out of the office rather than in it and rather than being surrounded by all the, the stuff that goes on on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely brilliant. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.